Hey guys, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Alan and I'm here with Trent. We're so glad to be with you today. And we're thinking about this role that we have, this role of shepherding. And we want to talk to you a little bit about it today. Trent, it, it could go down. Today could be it. It could be the best title that we've had to this point in time in, in podcast history. So tell us what we're talking about today. All right. Well, yeah, we've had some great titles in the past. Um, but today, I was got to visit with some other directors of missions recently, and somebody mentioned that we shuffle shepherds. And so I got to thinking about that, writing a little bit on that. And uh, so our title for today is, Does Shuffling Shepherds Create Sickly Sheep? And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I love that title, man, because it's so true. I mean, when you think about those two phrases that you put them together, you know, shuffling shepherds, sickly sheep go hand in hand, but it is a mouthful to say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Can you say that five times fast? Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> well, um, you know, as as we were talking, uh, several of the guys and I were talking and uh, got me to thinking about the passage in John chapter 10, where Jesus is talking about that he is the good shepherd. And there's a difference between a good shepherd, someone like Jesus, and a hireling, um, someone who is uh, just in it for the money or for the prestige, which anymore, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of prestige being a pastor. Uh, but there are some people that don't seem to have the right motives in the pastorate. And, uh, and it kind of Jesus in this passage in John chapter 10, he talks about that, that when something goes wrong or when there's danger involved, those guys run away. And, and so there is a problem with, you know, you need to be called to be a shepherd. Yeah. Calling. We talk a lot about our calling and that calling is so powerful when we think about the responsibility that we have. I was thinking about this in regards to a lesson I learned early in ministry, that my job and my role was to love my sheep and to protect them and to care for them. And I didn't always do that right, but I did it passionately. <laughs> and people respond to those who care for them. So if people know you care for them, they're going to respond to you better than if they don't you know i think about it from a from a pet you know you see people sometimes who abuse their animals and you know some people can just raise their hand and their dog will run in fear because they know what that hand means mm. and sadly i think there's a lot of people like that when their pastor talks they don't they don't see arms outstretched ready to give them a hug they see that arm that's kind of maybe they're ready to slap them so you know it's a sad it's sad status but it sometimes is a real status Right. And, you know, and, and I think that, that that calling comes out in the way that we deal with people, just like you're talking about, Alan. But as we think about being a pastor, being a shepherd, we're supposed to be like Jesus, someone who lays down our lives, the life of our of sheep and, and able and willing to go after those who have wandered away. But I've noticed, and it's not just one denomination, there's all these uh, Christian denominations that either the way that they're set up, that pastors are looking to move all the time or a denomination moves them. Uh, it, it, either one seems to create unhealthy situations 
And so I wanted to kind of hit on a few of these things and, and see what you think, Alan, about the effect that that has on churches and on sheep. I love it. I love it. I do. Thanks for writing this note. I love what we're talking about today. Well, so let's think about this. So when a, a pastor comes on and someone trusts Jesus as their savior, um, usually that takes a while, you know, for a new pastor, you know, you've got to start some relationships, but that pastor is involved in discipling a lot of times. It should be more than just the pastor. I'll, I'll say that. But if it, if it is the pastor discipling that new believer, then unfortunately, if that discipleship can be cut short, if a pastor is only there for a short time, right? He doesn't have the opportunity to grow that person. Yeah, discipleship is a process, and processes take time. You can't rush through a process of discipleship. So when you are not there long enough to disciple people, you're leaving a job unfinished. And I know that it's not possible. There are times when God moves people around, but when a pastor moves every two, three, four years, you're always cutting short the discipleship process. You've probably never walked anyone to become a well-rounded disciple because you've simply not been there long enough for that to take place. So we have to think about a responsibility that we have that part of the Great Commission is to go and make disciples and to teach them and teaching takes time. We don't graduate from high school first graders. Yeah, that's true. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the Great Commission because there's a friend that was showing me that, um, you know, in the King James Version of that, that scripture, it says, teach them to observe whatsoever you have commanded you. And, and then NIV, several other um, Bibles will say, teach them to obey. But I like the idea of teach them to observe because that's what we're supposed to be showing someone. We're supposed to be letting them walk alongside of us. And so they observe our lives. And we're not perfect, right? A pastor is not perfect. They're going to mess up. But um, you need to have somebody that, as a new believer, you can watch and see how they live out their faith, even when they do mess up. And so that if you're a pastor who's moving all the time, you never get to let someone observe your life. And sometimes pastors, you and I, Alan, in seminary, we both heard that don't get real close to your church people, which is just like a, a lie and a myth from the pit of hell, I think. Um, but, you know, so if we do that, then we don't ever let someone observe our lives, even when we're a mess. So true. And one of the things, too, I was thinking about is how I was encouraged as a young pastor to to not grow deep roots. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I went into my first pastor with the expectation, of, you know, expectation in my heart of saying, I want to be here for a long time. But knowing the reality after a few years, I expect a bigger church to come call me and then I'm supposed to go to that church and then another church to call me after that. And I'm supposed to go to that church. And I went in with these expectations uh, that that's just how things were supposed to be, and it wasn't a healthy expectation. We need to go somewhere with the idea of this is where God has me, and he has me here for a reason, and that longevity actually matters in what we're doing. So we want to go in and actually put roots down. It should be hard. It should be anguishing 
to leave one assignment for another assignment. I agree. And unfortunately, well, and, and it's not always the pastor's fault. It's sometimes it's the, the church and the things, the way things are going and happening at the church that it causes a pastor to be like, yes, please let me get out of here. Um, and whatever the situation. But um, so discipleship can be cut short if a pastor is, if they're shuffling shepherds in and out of a church. You have all these babies in, in their faith. And I think we see that a lot in churches. You have a lot of immature people. They, you know, may have been saved for 50 years, but they still act like a newborn Christian. They don't have the depth of faith and know how to live it out. Another thing I thought of too is, um, Alan, that vision can be cut short as well. Scripture tells us that without vision, the people perish or they run amok, basically. Um, and so if, if a pastor comes in and he has prayed and sought the Lord and, and he feels that there is a vision that the church should be following that God has given him, if that pastor doesn't stay there and see that through, then that church kind of continues a, a short cycle that's bad and it never gets to finish and complete what God has for it. Yeah, here's how it typically goes. A church calls a pastor, he stays for four years, then he moves on. They're pastorless for four to six months. They call a new pastor who comes in, makes his changes, makes all his decisions, stays for four years, leaves. They call a pastor after a few months, and the cycle just begins over and over and over again. And the church really isn't going anywhere. It's just in that little in that little you know, squirrel, squirrel cage going round and round and round and round. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I mean, it's a whole lot like, um, <laughs> I hate to use this example, but it's a whole lot like the government and the, you know, you have someone comes in and makes changes, everything fires all of the people that from the previous guy and does his own deal. And then four years later, he's gone and someone comes in and, changes everything, fires all the people that work for the previous guy. So it's a continuous thing, and you don't ever get to actually move forward. Yeah, that's the, how churches do it. And it's frustrating if you're a church member because you don't know what to expect. You don't really know where you're going. You just kind of show up to show up. And you and I have both been into churches where people go in and there's no expectations. And we have podcast episodes about creating a church with expectations but you go into some churches and there's just no sense of expectation and usually behind all of those churches i'm going to see a string of of short-lived pastorates because they're not used to following leadership they're not used they're not used to digging in and going somewhere yeah and so the community doesn't experience the ministry that that church is supposed to be having in their their community because of that. So another thing, so we talked about discipleship can be cut short, vision can be cut short. And then this is kind of a different way to look at this, but um, we've seen this happen in a lot of places that the sheep suffer because bad shepherds are moved to a, a new location, but they go and continue to kill the sheep. Yeah, you and I talked about this just a couple of weeks ago about how Sometimes churches get in a rush to call a pastor and they find that first resume and they, they cling to it. But it's important to know how this stuff works. When a church has an opening, and if it's a church that gathers its own resumes, 
there are people that every time some opening comes up, they're applying for that opening. They haven't looked into your church. They don't know anything about your history. They're just desperate to get out of whatever situation it is it is in. And there's a lot of guys out there who have created their own set of problems. And they're just trying to push their problems off. And they're going to go somewhere else and do the very same thing. And a lot of those guys are the first people to apply for the openings that come up. But what happens is churches have a bad process. They see a piece of paper that anyone can make themselves look good on paper, but they see all these things on a piece of paper. They fall in love with that person. And before you know it, they go out and they hire this person and then find out it's not at all what they expected. And this happens over and over and over again. So many churches could say, don't do it like us. And yet churches continue to do it the exact same way. Yeah. Well, here, and we had two churches that I was in contact with recently that kind of had opposite extremes of this, right? One, they hired the first guy that had a pulse, but um, I come to find out if, if they would have called references and done some, you know, checking and the second level references, they would have saved themselves a lot of heartache because that pastor is now killing that church. Um, the other side is I talked to another church and because they did some checking, talked to some people, check references, things didn't add up on the resume. They, they were all excited to begin with, but they saved themselves a lot of heartache by not hiring this guy. And so I, I need to say to everyone, when you're looking at hiring a pastor, you have to do um, reference checks and second and third level references on this person. Yeah, and just have a good process. Make sure you know what you're looking for before you start looking. That's one of the other things that happens. You find someone and on, on paper, they tell you they're great with people. Well, have you asked any of the people that, that deals with them if they're really great with them? I've met mm -hmm. some people who think they're wonderful people. People, people. Is that people, <laughs> people? Yeah. But they're not. And yeah. someone to tell them, dude, you are not good with people. And yeah. on paper, everything seems appropriate there. So you do need to do your references. You need to have a good process. You know, that's where someone like us in our roles and our denomination, or we can walk alongside a church and walk with a church through this process. But there are people, there are tools, get some of those things. So you make sure that you have a good process when you're pastorless. So this doesn't happen to you. Yeah. Some other parts of that check would be, I would always do a background check. Um, on a person that you're considering as pastor, um, not just a local thing, but uh, you do a national background check, do the whole thing. And then I would also tell them, hey, we're going to do a financial check on you. Um, you don't want a guy who comes in, he racks up huge debts in whatever community he's in and then leaves town. I've seen that happen. And uh, man, talk about killing the church. So those are important too. Yeah, we actually had a, a, I know of a pastor who borrowed money from several people in the church and told them, please don't tell anyone that we're in this trouble. And they thought they were being all great and helping him, but he'd borrowed tens of thousands of dollars from church members and then skipped town. Oh, man. And yeah. he, a devastated church. 
in his wake. So there are things that happen that should not happen. And uh, certainly don't feel apologetic about wanting to do a credit check on your pastor, potential pastor. You want to know that he handles his money well. I mean, that's part of managing your household is, you know, you don't have to be, you don't certainly don't have to be a wise investor in everything you do, but are they handling what they do have and taking responsibility with that? So great, great piece of advice there, Trent. Thank you for sharing that one. Well, and so another thing that can that can happen is that after a while, the shepherd is not trusted, right? If they're continuing to shuffle shepherds in and out, uh, whether it's the church or the denomination, whatever, then you lose the ability to trust. And um, so trust is never developed because, you know, you and I know that um, it used to be years and years ago that the pastor who came in they were automatically revered and trusted and all that unfortunately too many bad things have happened just like we were talking about earlier and so um, people don't trust automatically which is probably wise you hate to say that as a pastor but it's probably wise Um, and so you don't have enough time to develop trust and so the pastor who is trustworthy begins to feel frustrated you know, hey, I, I, nobody's trusting me. Well, you've got to stay there long enough to earn that trust. Yeah, we forget that when you move to a community, these people have had relationships with each other for a long period of time. They know each other. They have, you know, meals with each other. The kids have been on ball teams together. They have parents and grandparents and grandkids and all these kinds of things. They know each other, so they trust each other. You are the new person added to the mix, and it doesn't matter what your level of integrity is. It takes time for them to trust you, and you can't have trust without time. They, you, it just doesn't happen. So it takes time to build that trust. And I know we did a thing on life cycles recently, Trent, and we know that that's about in the earliest about three years, but in most cases closer to five years before you become truly trusted as the pastor shepherd of the church. Yeah, I've seen that to be the case. And even, uh, Alan, the last church that I pastored, uh, I remember an elderly lady in our church. She had been there, gosh, most, most of her life. And she said to us when we first moved there, she said, I just don't know if I can love another pastor because she had, you know, opened her heart to, you know, pastors and then they would come and go and so it took us you know being there for quite a while and and we ended up being there for 13 years Uh, but it it took quite a while for us to where she could personally get to the point where she trusted and loved us so it does take a while yeah and i will tell you from someone who went through a building plan in multiple churches that It was on the other side of that that I built the trust, not going into it. The going, Mm -hmm. all of those things that I did, it was really based on the trust that people had for the other people on those construction teams. It wasn't anything about me. Yeah. Um, The the only one that would be an exception is when we did education space in our last church, which happened about five years into my ministry. I was looked to for the guidance on that one. But the others, it wasn't. It wasn't me. I get to say I led up these churches through these building projects, and 
I did kind of, <laughs> but it was really, <laughs> it was really the people that they trusted led them through it. Not me because I hadn't been at any of those places long enough to truly become the leader of that church and trusted as the, the leader of that church. So don't overvalue yourself. I think one mistake we make often is we go into a church and after we've been there a year or so, we say, well, they, they just don't trust me. They just don't trust me. Well, of course they don't trust you. Yeah. You, you, you know, it's a big deal to you. But again, they've seen you 52 times, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's 52 hours. You know, how many of you trust someone implicitly after 52 hours? Not yeah, a lot. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It does take a while to earn that. And, um, you know, that kind of leads to our, our next point, though, that um, there, there will be people that, you know, when they see that the pastor is moves out, they're going to be somebody that that comes in and says, hey, we're going to take advantage of this situation. And they're wolves in sheep clothing, you know, and they're not pastors usually, but there's someone else that will come in and try to take over leadership and and they have bad intentions. And and so the the people in the church, they will learn to trust some people that are trustworthy that have been there for the long term. Um, whether it's a deacon or Sunday school teacher or whatever. Um, and so when you're going in there as a pastor, you should get to know who that person is. I mean, you can tell right away when in a business meeting, when, when you know, you never hear this person talk, but when they do, everybody stops and listens. It's the old EF Hutton commercial, right? Find out that person, but don't be surprised if there are some wolves that you have to kind of clear out when you come in as pastor as well. Yeah, when people get the idea of pastors leaving, I can promise you a wolf is going to show up. It could be a church member that hasn't been there in a while. It could be that disgruntled leader on a deacon ministry team or there's some kind of other leadership team in the church. Uh, one of the things I've seen, I've seen out-of-work pastors go in and jettison themselves to be to be the next person. And there's usually a reason that they are without a pastorate. And so I would say steer clear of that situation, but we see those things and they happen over and over and over again. So anytime there's going to be a void in leadership, someone is going to step in and use it. And the wolves definitely love to pounce on that situation. I think that's one of the reasons so many of our churches are unhealthy in our denomination life is we've seen that many churches are deacon run and they're deacon run because pastors run away really quickly. And not always were deacons picked for their spiritual qualifications. Many of them were picked because of who they knew or because they'd been in that church a long time. And it's not always been a great marriage between those spiritual leaders and pastors because maybe it's not a truly healthy situation. So sometimes it's our own fault that we create our own voids that the enemy can step into. Yeah. And boy, they do. And it's hard to, when they do, uh, it's hard to get them out, um, you know. And especially as a new pastor coming in, you don't have the trust to be able to say, hey, we need to get rid of this person. And it, boy, it's, it's tough, you know, when, when a wolf steps into that role and it's hard to get them out. 
But today we've been talking about how shuffling shepherds causes sickly sheep. So I'm going to work on saying that a lot faster. <laughs> but um, yeah, it does. It causes issues, right, Alan? Uh, when we have we shuffle shepherds too much, it certainly yeah. leads to sickly sheep. Yeah, and you want to be trusted as a pastor. You don't want to be known for for your ability. You know, you raise your hand and your sheep scatter in fear. And what I mean by raising your hand is you haven't gotten to that point where you've been trusted and you want to be trusted. You want to be loved. You want when when you raise your hand that people respect, oh, we're about to get that pastor hug right now. And you, when you love someone, you can challenge someone. When you love someone, you can tell the truth to someone, even if it's a painful truth, because they know it comes from love. And when you when there's trust, you can actually really get to the heart of discipleship. So build that trust. Take the time it takes to build that trust. That's absolutely right. You know, and that's why we do this podcast called Enduring Churches. We want the pastors to endure and do well. And we want the churches to endure and do well. And so that takes building that trust that Alan's talking about. So we appreciate that you've taken a little bit of time today. Listen to our podcast. Listen to us uh, talk about things that are important, we think, uh, to churches and to ministries. Uh, if you have suggestions of things that you think are important, uh, maybe we haven't talked about, please let us know. Contact us on Facebook or our website. Um, but, uh, you know, please share this with a, with a friend and maybe it could be encouraging to them as well. We appreciate your time and thanks for tuning in to the Enduring Churches podcast. <music>